0: Welcome. Writer's Radio, which broadcasts the beautiful, fanciful, and engaging work of talented writers from our neighborhood and yours.
1: Hello, I'm Ingrid Rose. In this program, I'm talking with Fiona Lamb, Vancouver's current Poet Laureate, or The People's Poet, as she refers to the role. Fiona is a multifaceted creative, working in a variety of written genres and visual forms, such as video poems. After hearing her read three poems about her childhood, she and I have a conversation, and then you'll get to hear more poetry about family.
2: I'll start with a few poems about childhood. The first one is Chrysanthemum. Rolls of rice paper in the corner, jars of soft-haired brushes, elegant cakes of watercolor, black inkstone at the center. My mother held the brush vertically, never slant, arm and fingers poised, distilling bird or breeze into diligent rows of single characters. Hours rippled. Years of practice urged the true strokes forth. Stiff bamboo now waving in white air, cautious lines now ribboning silk folds of a woman's gown. My favorite of her paintings was of chrysanthemums. They began as five arcs of ink, long breaths in the emptiness alluding to stem and blossom. Then, from the finest brush, the outline of each petal. Flesh flowed from the fuller one, tipped with yellow or lavender, until every crown bloomed amid the throng of leaves. If only I had been paper, a delicate, upturned face stroked with such precise tenderness. And here's a poem about my very stern grandfather teaching me how to use chopsticks properly. Chopsticks Grandfather sets down the bowl full of marbles. I pick up the chopsticks and hover, then picture my hand as a heron with a long, long beak plunging down to pluck each orb, lift it through air and held breath in a tremulous trip toward the saucer. Five thousand years of evolution in hand. Branches honed to stir ancient cauldrons become sleek batons of ivory, gold, or jade adorning an aristocrat's table with their deft dance and dip more adroit than a fork, twin acrobats poised to hoist choice morsels. Let your elders lead, he tells me. Never point your chopsticks at a guest. Never spear your food like a fisherman. Don't tap the side of your bowl like a beggar. Keep them by the plate when you rest, or across the bowl at meal's end, but never upright like incense burning in an urn for the dead. While he watches, stiff bamboo grows nimble. One by one, each small glassy planet arcs up, then lands with a clink. The bowl gleams empty. Grandfather nods. And here's a poem about unhappy times, uh, trying to flee from my mother's rage when I was a kid. I often got her pretty angry. Camouflage. Outside, pacing fury, a plywood door prepares to buckle. Inside, a legless bed floats, docked against a wall. Medusas in the wallpaper's clumped foliage peer into an empty shag sea. A narrow closet, innards jumbled, woolly hems, boots, and a twelve-year-old. Her crouched silence. She pretends to be a shoe.
1: Fiona Lamb. The position of Poet Laureate in Vancouver was created back in 2006. George McWhirter was the first. Then there was Brad Cran. Evelyn Lau, Rachel Rose, and Miss Christy Lee of Musqueam, and now you, Fiona Lamb. That's right. Congratulations. Thank
2: you very much.
1: (laughs) So the title Laureate recalls laurels on Greek men's heads, mostly uh, great men, but here the title's also referred to as the
2: people's poet. How does that sit with you? Well, it's so interesting that the myth of Daphne and Apollo is the origin for their laurels. Apollo had been pursuing Daphne, the naiad nymph, who had taken a vow of chastity and was not interested in Apollo whatsoever. But he persisted and finally, in exasperation and frustration and desperation, when he was about to embrace her, she called out to her father, the river god, "Help me, Dad! Help me, Peneus!" And he turned her into a laurel tree, thwarting Apollo completely. Apollo, however, his heart broken, revered the laurel tree, and henceforth. Laurel leaves are the crown for people that have done something, achieved something quite special in sport, music, literature, etc. And the first poet laureate, um, officially, that was funded by the uh, royal family was John Dryden back in the 1600s. And since then, Poets Laureate have popped up in different countries, uh, sponsored and funded by various organizations, often libraries as opposed to governments, all over the world. We have a, a federal Poet Laureate that's been in place since 2002. The office has been in place since 2002 and in Vancouver since 2006, as you mentioned. Um, and it's not a lovely office plush office with leather chairs in city hall no it is a privately funded position um, that is overseen by the public library uh, the writers festival and the city of vancouver so i have three bosses but no office or secretary or anything like that um, And every poet laureate has done something different, whether it's organizing an anthology on a certain subject or theme or a conference, or in Evelyn Lau's case, she was a writer in residence at the library and went, I think once or twice a month to consult with, uh, for people to consult with her. Um, So what I've done as poet laureate is organize a contest because I strongly believe in the concept of a people's poet. I'm much more comfortable with the idea of being democratic and being accessible than to parade around with laurel leaves on my head. Say a little bit about
1: the competition. I think it's youth and adults, right?
2: Yes. Well, I just put up a poster uh, at one of the neighborhood houses because I know a lot of people don't access the internet or don't know which sites to check out, but It's a contest for people to write poems and submit poems that haven't been published related to a historic, cultural or ecological site within the unceded traditional territories of what we now know as Vancouver or the UBC endowment lands. That will hopefully relate to the origins of the city um, or what it was before the city, Cessna. or relate to its very complex, multi-layered, multifaceted history. I am not the judge. I want to make sure that I will be soliciting and encouraging and cheerleading. Um, I've got three judges. Rachel Rose is the one for the um, established poets category. And then David Lee is the uh, judge for the emerging poets category, people who don't have a book published. And then there is a youth category and Dr. Bonnie Nish, going to be the judge for that and yes it will be anonymous. There'll be a table of course connecting the anonymous numbered submissions to the persons and there are prizes uh, $300 for the first prize set 200 for the second 100 for the first in each category and then after this uh, stage of the contest is completed and the announcements are made in June the award-winning and shortlisted poems will be the basis for a second stage contest for student filmmakers to make poetry videos or poetry films based on those poems.
1: What was your doorway to poetry? Like, how how did you begin?
2: Well, it began with nursery rhymes. My mother, whose uh, English was her second language, she wanted to make sure that I knew English very well and she had all these nursery rhymes, a nursery rhyme songbook and nursery rhyme books. And so she read them in English and sang them in English to me. So I grew up hearing all those lovely nursery rhymes. Um, that was my entryway. And one of the first poems I ever wrote, I wasn't even aware it was was a poem, but it it rhymed and it was short. It was about spring (laughs) and um, when I was in grade two, and the teacher was so impressed, uh, I was kind of oblivious, and she made me write it out on a big poster board and put it in the hallway, and I thought, wow, poetry means something, and I was very proud, and uh, um, I didn't stop after that. It was, it was, that was my doorway. That's a great story. It wasn't a very good poem, but <laughs> <laughs> it was, hear spring ring, tingling, tingling.
0: <laughs> spring is king.
1: Fiona Lamb, your poems about family are intimate, honest, and they seem to hold different perspectives.
2: Each poem is a journey, even writing the poem itself is the journey, creating it, drafting it, revising it, re-revising it, um, reading it. Each step of the way, and it's not a linear uh, journey, is a way of deepening and understanding and growing. It's almost akin to a a spiral, but not a a traditional spiral. I think it sort of moves this way and that way, uh, like a a kind of of dance. Mm -hmm. This is a poem about my mother's diagnosis with early-onset dementia. Maternal Archaeology In the neurologist's examining room, I help my mother undress. Like a punished child, she sits hunched on the high table while I lift off each layer gently. Blue jacket bought on sale at Zeller's, woolen vest Grandma sent one Christmas, my checked blouse from high school, one of Dad's frayed undershirts. Then the flesh withered and soft as an old quilt, fine skin loose around a body becoming unfamiliar to itself. I drape the paper robe out between us like a curtain. Docile, her arms slide into the sleeves. I tie the back and stand away to see if everything's right. She points to what's on her foot, the word for sock gone missing. My father died when I was 11 years old, and it was a grief that I experienced for many decades until I decided to do... An offering at the cemetery. Offering. Kneeling by his grave, I offer my father a cup of tea, the way he'd wanted it before he died. I was 11 when the rented wheelchair came. I plowed long furrows into the carpets. He was home after months in hospital. Ringed by family, he asked for lemon tea, a bit of sugar, not too hot. Assigned the task, I went to the kitchen, filled a mug with lukewarm water, squeezed a tea bag against the side to tint the water. A splash of lemon from an ancient bottle. Sugar, not enough. A precarious march back to his bedside. He sipped it and winced. Good, he said, though it wasn't. Fell back to the pillow. Christmas Eve he was wheeled out for company. My mother a red-eyed bullet through the thrumming house. Amid the clink of teacups he lay on the couch filmed with sweat from the toll of being alive. Quiet and cool in my room I sat alone with a box of Swiss chocolate miniatures in neat white cubicles the waxy sweetness of the milk and white bars a prim smothering. The nuts were grit on my teeth and tongue. Only the bitter one tasted of something I could have felt. Today, at last, I've done it right. A good pour of amber honey, fresh lemon, boiling water, loose leaves, tea brewed hot and strong. Drink, my father, as I drink to you this striving of sun, sky, Earth and flesh held within these porcelain cups. I've written a number of poems about becoming a mum and a single mum, and here's one called Colostrum. Colostrum is the special uh, yellow early milk before the full regular milk comes in when breastfeeding. Colostrum. For four days, the baby's parched lips worked my stinging skin. Pressed up beside me, he suckled away our sleep with his thirst those hospital nights filled with the shrugs of nurses and ragged dreams of barren riverbeds, receding tides, and always the child in my arms, shrinking slowly, a small sack of wailing. The end of the fourth day, my breasts suddenly transformed into throbbing stones, yet still no milk. In the shower, heat pelted away at the ache while I willed hardness to melt. They came, those rich yellow drops my body had made and could finally offer, the first sprinkle of rain on hungry soil. And I watched my child with the eyes of all mothers through fierce histories of loving and fear, wartime cues, futile miles to a muddy well, dirt sifted and sifted again to find the stray kernels of corn to pound into flour for the family's single precious meal. Of the day. Here's another poem, a more humorous one about motherhood. This poem This baby is a poem. A haiku on the verge of an epic, with an abundance of vowels and no punctuation. No multisyllabics, no footnotes, just something simple that arches its back and lets out a squeal. This baby is a palm on strike against sleep. You try everything, ply what's left of your brain with motivational, instructional texts. In bed, it huddles its needs against you as it sucks life's juice from you. A tiny, long-lashed vampire you can't throw off a cliff because every cry tears a scab off your heart. This poem is a baby whose face is the face of everyone in your blood. Seal sleek, it swims the air with limbs eager for destination. You want to cuddle, but it just wants to climb toward jubilation, flashing lightning grins all the way up and here's a poem about the end of love shower those mornings we were together the three of us stand in a spray of soft diamonds sunlight through glass and everything sparkling You hold our son high in your arms while I lather him up. Our little otter, he's as sleek and slick as when he slid from my womb. Then I lather you, foot to thigh, chest to back, the heft and sinew of what I have loved. You and he both turn in the warm rain, my universe of king and prince rinsed to a glisten. When you soak my skin, I live Become brief silk in your hands As luscious as when your desire flowed Only water will love me When you are gone
0: You have been listening to Fiona Tinway Lam, Vancouver's sixth Poet Laureate Reading her own work and in conversation with Ingrid Rose. Visit Fiona's website, fionalam.net, for more information about City Poems contest. Also, her own wonderful poetry and video poems and information on how to order them. You have been listening to Writers Radio, a non-commercial collaborative project which presents talented writers reading their own work. These stories, essays, and conversations revisit the long tradition of oral storytelling that connects us to the inspiration behind the words. Be sure to check the website, writersradio.ca, to subscribe to our free notifications list. It's also a way of letting the writers know you are there and appreciating their creative work. Writers Radio broadcasts from Half Moon Bay on the Sunshine Coast in Canada, traditional tribal land of the Shechelle Nation of the Coast Salish peoples. We express our gratitude for their wisdom teachings and land stewardship.